Between the Lines with Andrea Gilligan. This is News Talk. You're welcome along to News Talk's Between the Lines programme with myself, Andrea Gilligan, where we'll be taking a closer look at some of the main stories and issues of interest. My thanks to everyone who got in contact about last week's programme regarding the mortgage market in Ireland today. You can still listen back to the podcast on our website at newstalk.com or on the Go Loud app. And as always, you can get in contact with us today by emailing between the lines at newstalk.com or on Twitter at myself at Andrea Gilligan. Well, coming up today, we'll be discussing the future of work in Ireland, looking at everything from increased demand and the facilitation of more flexible and mobile working arrangements. Joining us to discuss our panel in studio today, Nick Healy, who's the Solutions Director at Convergent, Dr. Marion Crowley-Henry, who's a PhD and Associate Professor of Maynooth University School of Business, and also Client Services Director of CPL Resources, Siobhan O'Shea. My thanks to you all for joining us in studio. Thank you. Thank um, you. I'm just thinking of the song working nine to five. Um, what's the working arrangements like, Siobhan, in Ireland today for people? There's a move away from that nine to five regime. Yeah, it certainly is evolving really rapidly. Um, and I think this is an emergence of a huge um, trend towards smarter working and flexible options. And um, it's a trend that's not just happening here domestically, but I think it's a global trend. Um, And it's very much been driven by a lot of different factors. I suppose um, if you look at the younger generations, they want to work in different ways. Um, And I think even if you look at all of the five generations in the workplace now, we all have um, differing needs and um, we're all very aware, I suppose, of... um, you know, sustainability factors that are maybe influencing things like our decisions not to sit in cars for two or three hours a day and that loss of quality of life um, that can, you know, be an impact, I suppose, of of that rigidity of nine to five, you know, traditional working models. So I think there's a lot of factors at play in kind of driving the momentum towards differing and new ways of working. Um, And I think we're only going to continue to see that to, you know, be the new way. Can I ask you the same question, um, Marion Crowley, Henry, because I know your own background is sort of in kind of um, human resources and, and, and organisational behaviour. So was it a case that people just become the, the became the, the new, the now working force? Did they just become less tolerant of what were the old working arrangements? Like, why has this shift happened is what I'm trying to get my head around. Yeah, well, there's another uh, a number of, I guess, things that have happened in the environment um, that have caused this big one being digital, uh, the mobile phone being notably the main yeah. reason for it. Uh, the recognition that there's no need to be present, that you can do it remotely and you can do it even easier remotely and you can do it socially in teams. So it's not just, you know, you're on your own. Uh, with a lot of the social media channels, they have group chats, they have discussion forums. They know what's going on before there's an announcement quite often. Mm-hmm. They have it through those channels. So, uh, the mobile phone, this Gen Z, born since 1995, born with phones in their hands, more or less, um, digital natives, that's really changed with them. So it's technology. Technology. driven. Technology, but I would say more digital technology. I mean, we hear yeah. feedback from employers that a lot of graduates mightn't have Excel skills, you know, skills in Microsoft Excel, right. Excel or Word, but they're fantastic then in, in terms of, you know, social media mm. or tweeting or, well, not even tweeting, Instagramming mm. or um, Snapchatting. So technology, but it is more that it's the digital. digital. Okay, mm. can I ask you the same, Nick? Just what's your kind of general assessment of the the workplace at the moment or working environment? Yeah, it, it it's certainly being driven by new technologies uh, emerging on the markets today, and through that, 
social uh, network is a big is, is a big driver. Um, and if if you if you go back, you know, twenty years, twenty five years, they were always, you know, there was talk about going the 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 paperless workplace and the digital workplace and so forth. But it would, it has really struggled to get there um, until now mm-hmm. uh, because the technologies to enable truly digital paperless workplaces really wasn't there. Um, there were still um, a, a problem between connectivity between maybe different systems in the organization, which mean, meant you had to either create a piece of paper for transfer information or to communicate yeah. uh, to others about certain things. Because it's not that long ago, you know, companies were using fax machines. As People, like companies the, still use fax yeah. machines. Let's be clear about that. <laughs> if you take the medical profession, for example, um, there are faxes are used as you know the the, the de facto yeah. ma- mode of of uh, communication. It's you know it's quite exceptional. So that's nothing new in the states. For instance, fax is still huge, absolutely huge, because it's a trusted form of the transfer of information. Okay. So uh, so really, it, whereas you'll see with the new 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 or younger generations, they they don't have that. First of all, they don't have that trust issue. They they actually do trust the technology. Um, they're familiar with it, and they're they're quite impatient. So it it needs it, they they will only work with technologies that kind of really work, you know. Mm-hmm. And we're only really kind of getting there uh, in the past couple of years, to be honest with you. I thought it was interesting, um, Marion, that you're kind of making the point about really a lot of this shift, particularly among the even probably the generation younger than myself, has come about by way of digital technology because in my working environment I would put a lot of this down to the um, the presence of so many American multinationals in Ireland that all of a sudden we've got these kind of new working arrangements that have come in people see friends in the Googles and the Twitter and the Facebooks and they're kind of thinking oh well, hang on that's not how my company works sir I mean what's your your take even on, on that Siobhan? Yeah, I think you're right, Andrea. I think that um, when you see that there's an opportunity to work in a way that kind of really resonates with you, um, you know, be it in compressed hours or in shift work or, um, you know, remotely or just more flexibly, part time, etc. I suppose why wouldn't you feel that you should have that opportunity too? So I think those who've kind of traditionally worked in a very kind of presenteeism way of working are going to really be left behind if they don't embrace um, the, the new opportunities out there to attract talent that really want to work um, in very mobile ways. So, um, you know, this whole piece around agile working is um, it's the, the, the new trend. Everyone's talking about Just explain it. that. What is it? Yeah, so I think, you know, it, Agile means a lot of different things to a lot of different companies. Um, so, you know, for the more advanced companies who are really on that this journey, it could mean seven or eight different things. So it could be starting at different times, working four days a week. It could be part-time working. It could be, um, you know, literally... Um, uh, nighttime work versus daytime work, you know, so it's working however you want to work and adapting, um, you know, the model, I suppose, to meet your people's needs as opposed to the person adapting to the organization's needs. Um, whereas I think, you know, smaller businesses and particularly the SMEs in Ireland are really a little bit slower on this journey because they don't have maybe the, the HR teams and structures and resources and support networks around yeah. them to be able to mobilise on flexible solutions. And it makes it a little bit more challenging for them because 
you know, I suppose they're trying to understand how they put their processes and systems in place to ensure it's very egalitarian and fair um, to their staff and their people. So, um, you know, that's what we would see with our customers, that definitely those that are in the multinational sector, internationals, where it's all been driven quite globally, Mm. um, are far more evolved. Yeah, there's a couple of different points. And I note you're both um, in in agreement on that, just uh, Nick and and Marion. And I'll ask you both actually about it. But there's a couple of different things there. I suppose there's an element of kind of the... I don't want to say the copycat system as if it's a negative, but there probably is a bit of pressure on other companies now, particularly if you take two similar industries, Marion, you know, that, well, if X company can do this and offer this, why can't Y? Is that, is that something that you find with, with businesses? Well, what we've looked at, I guess, or what we've seen is what we call the high road and the low road. So if the high road companies would be like your multinationals that have, you know, great packages, uh, really competitive, looking for talent, uh, a lot of HR resources in looking for talent and securing talent. And then the lower road, which would be more your gig economy, which is very inflexible or very flexible on the one hand, where but you don't mightn't have set hours, you mightn't security. have security. Yeah. Exactly. So there there's it's not a clean sheet. And in Ireland we have both. Um and I guess for the future of work, coming back to, or thinking about that conversation, we are very reliant on foreign direct investment. We are very reliant on multinationals. And I guess the question is, who knows what the future holds? Yeah. Um, it could be, hopefully it will be that more of the high road organisations will be there, which are competitive and employees are seeing, yes, I can get a better job here or I can move. And that's to be encouraged. There is no job for life anymore. I think yeah. we all can acknowledge that. And if you see a better condition, you know, that helps to improve the organisational culture, the organisational uh, reward package. But depending on how I suppose the economy goes, if we're left with more low road organisations mm-hmm. with less job security, etc., that might be that would bring on, I guess, the things like wellness. I know in, in the research that I conducted, that was one of the big the two big things that students said that they were looking for in jobs was high pay. Obviously, we yeah. all, we all yeah. high pay <laughs> and job security. So. And that's interesting in the context, really, um, you know, Nick, about the idea that we don't have that job for life the way, you know, often our parents would have had. Like, I know I'm only working 12 years and I've worked in five different companies. Mm. <laughs> it seems an awful <laughs> lot when I say it, actually, <laughs> on average. But uh, but but a lot of my 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 friends would be kind of similar. And in, in there's yeah. a lot of, you know, very fast paced moving. People are shifting around all the time. And I think that's kind of reflective. You know, I nearly don't see anything wrong with that. But when I think back maybe to my parents and their friends, it's a completely different setup. It is. I mean, if, if you look back and and, and back to um, uh, your point about the, uh, the 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 smaller organizations who would be we deal with a lot of SME organizations at that level. Um, there is there tends to be still a lot of repetitive functions in that organization. Okay, where people are just there to do a job, be it manufacturing, being a processing of something or it could mm. be invoices, whatever it is. Um, and that is kind of repetitive, um, uh, probably monotonous work, if you like. And what's what's happened with, with what digitalization brings is the removal of that repetitive, yeah. boring in, and, and, and of course, costly task. Right? It, it, it's not something that's actually really contributing to the bottom line. It's a cost. OK, um, but what we find is that um, when we, with digitalization and the removal of that, it opens up other opportunities for those resources to work with, which they jump at. All right. So if you take your generation or, or, or the, the larger organizations, there's, there are far more because all that kind of administrative 
boring stuff mm. has been taken care of, the roles now tend to be far more either creative, productive, engaging, um, rewarding for people. Right. So there's there's far more of a choice. So if you're if you're you know, if, if you're a creative, you know, that, that person who's who's creative and, and, and uh, you know, great ideas person, a good team worker, stuff like that that role, that's the people that's what people want. That's what these big organizations want. So it's more that I think that organizations have are able to place that opportunity in front of you. And a lot of them are looking for these people. Um, that that that's why people are moving around, and then the experience in different organisations that that brings is is huge to that. Uh, that so eventual what, what employer. do you mean? You, you come in, you come in under one role, and then yeah, your well, skills are assessed. I mean, and... well, I would say, what is the role nowadays? I mean, roles again mm-hmm. tended to be well, you're the accounts processing person. OK, or you are a HR, even HR or you're the legal representative or you had a you did this job and you were okay. stuck into this pigeonhole roles. Now, even functions within organizations are not be compartmentalized anymore. Um, functions now, if you take HR, they go in, across the entire organization. You know, you've got to take yeah. from recruitment all the way to, you know, onboarding, offboarding, performance, uh, resourcing. Where do people fit in? Have we got the right skills in the organization? You know, it, it really is. We see certainly with with uh, with the work that we do at organizations is those de- functional departmental walls are, are crumbling. OK, because, you know, finance, HR, those those, those traditional roles, they, get, they go across across the entire board. They have to be able to communicate. They have to be able to see what's yeah, going on. Okay. That visibility of what's going on in the organization back into sales or whatever it might be. It, it, it really, the workplace has is, is changing rapidly. Is this re- digital transition and kind of technology that we're talking about, Marion, is it is it really only evident this kind of new working arrangement um, in certain industries? Or, you know, because I know of companies that would say, oh, well, we can't really do the flexible work on our thing because it's the nature of the work that we do mm. or we deal with America or we deal with this country and that country. And I don't want to say they're excuses. There's a huge cost, obviously, with kind of bringing in new arrangements like this. But is it a case that certain sectors have sort of taken this on already? Uh, yeah, it, it varies. So some would uh, have taken it on and be able to address it a lot easier. Uh, but things like working with from America, you can work from home, you know, if the organisation is willing to pay your internet fees or your internet charges or whatever else or your broadband. So there is a bit more, I suppose, discussion needed with organisations in terms of really how difficult is this? You know, what's the what's your case that you're putting forward here? It seems to be a case that maybe they're repeating what's been said in the past as opposed to looking at how technology has changed and how opportunities to be more flexible have changed. But certainly there are some professions that, you know, can't work from home. You know, if you're maybe more in the uh, the manual work or, you know, if you're in the mm. construction industry or whatever, yeah. that you have to be on site for sure. But those in an administration, those in so-called knowledge workers, uh, there's definitely scope. There is no reason why organisations can't take more flexible working well, I'm just thinking in my own setup here today if I was to ask to move back home to Donegal, like the idea that I would dial in on an, you know, an outside line to participate and host this discussion today and not be here, it just doesn't have the same... Mm. It, would be extre- it would be very difficult. And, and I think there's... 
But there is that pressure yet on companies, Nick, to kind of go, well, yeah. oh, do we need to look at this as a... But it's a huge factor. You, 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 mm. you, you can't just push what the what the organisation does to one side just to suit the, your, your, your workforce. You know, it, it, you still have to deliver the service or the product mm. or whatever you're doing uh, well. Okay, so, you know, the likes of yourselves in here, you can see in the environment here that it's a busy environment yeah. and it's all about communication and, and so forth. That's, that it would be difficult to do in isolation. If you take what, I, what what we do, for example, we barely have an office. We don't really need one right. because we're either with clients or we're working on client uh, projects or we're, we're, you know, most of our communications are done via uh, online meetings or um, we've got all sorts of social forms or that, that, that we can work through in, instead. So there's the, bigger, there's the bigger picture as well that comes from this, that flexibility. And, and I mean, in, in that instance, there is no technological reason why that couldn't be done. Well, what about Absolutely the, not. Well, what about even Siobhan O'Shea, if I go to you on that, because I know mm. you're kind of dealing with clients in that area as well. But, I mean, there is a cost uh, mm. on employers and particularly for the, the small and medium enterprises to try and facilitate, if you like, something like this. And mm. then how do you get the commitment from the staff that, well, if we're going to put a, you know, in my case, a, you know, a, an ISDN line in Andrea Gilligan's house in Ballyshannon, how can we guarantee she's going to work with us for mm. X number of years? Mm. Well, I think it's interesting because all of the evidence and the research that's emerging is showing that actually the benefits far mm. outweigh the costs and that there's an increase in productivity. There's an increase in talent retention. Um, and attrition rates are right. being reduced um, across the country, actually. In fact, I was just at an event this week um, hosted by the Executive Institute and Bank of Ireland were talking about some of their initiatives and how they're transforming um, their workforce um, well-being and employee engagement. And one of the examples they gave is how they're re-engineering some of their old offices around the country to become hubs and central hubs mm. for their people. So instead of having to spend this huge amount of time commuting into an urban location, and I think this is a trend that you're really going to see companies embracing to try and mitigate this, you know, stress of being stuck in traffic and the loss, I suppose, of that time, you know, um, in productivity. Um, so, you know, even already we're seeing that there's there's over six digital hubs employing 500 people around the country and they've been hugely successful successful and um, you know have basically opened out mm. opportunities for over 176 businesses so I think a lot of companies are um, looking at that and trying to see how they can embrace that trend as one example of how to deal with I suppose being able to offer that sense of community still in how you work mm. because a lot of people don't necessarily want to work at home five days a week They but they don't want to have to spend three or four hours in their car every day so I think there's a lot of really interesting solutions that have been looked at um, by organisations and I think very much government supported as well because even if you look at the Future Jobs Ireland initiative um, I mean reducing our carbon footprint and really trying to increase our um, employee or our uh, workforce participation yeah. rates are really big priorities mm. um, so we have to look at new and innovative ways to be able to try and change up the dial. I can see you're in agreement Marion Henry with uh, with you know most of what with what Siobhan's yeah. saying. So so we have the stats to prove that facilitating the staff to work at home and those more kind of uh, remote flexible working arrangements it's actually it's 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 proven dividend. Yeah, for sure that um you know working from home 
uh, improves their well-being, uh, work-life balance. You hear that a lot from from different generations in terms of what are they looking for from from a job, from a career. Work-life balance is comes towards the top in nearly, I'd say, every survey that's conducted. So this is being facilitated and its organisations being innovative, being agile, thinking outside the box, looking at creative ways of yeah, either staying in local communities, allowing people to work, you know, outside of urban areas and or giving them the flexibility, at least giving them the choice so that they have the choice to work somewhere urban if they want to or or rural if they want to. Trust is a big issue, Andrea. Trust yeah. is, is huge. Mm. And I think that's something that a lot of maybe our generation um, kind of might, might struggle with. But um, the younger generation, they are quite trust, trust trusting, maybe too trusting, uh, sharing too much on social media and the like. But increasingly organisations and that trust that, you know, we're doing this to facilitate your work-life balance. And in return, you know, we've got job retention. You know, we've got talent retention. Mm. You're staying with us because we're doing this for you. It's this partnership. It's interesting because I've, I've spoken to some employers about this before who, you know, they're maybe been approached by staff about the flexible working arrangement, but they're kind of saying, oh, how do I know that Andrea's not going to be Dawson at home, you know, and putting the wash on and making dinner and, you know, and this kind of thing that, like, I still think there's probably a little bit of a... Um, whether it's a mind shift that needs to happen about... Well, it is. It's to do with trust, really, isn't it? It is. And, and if you think, Andrea, does it matter if you're doing the wash at home if you get your job done at the end of the day? Does it matter if you've your grocery shopping done and your online banking done? You could be in the office doing that. Quite often, you could be sitting at your desk and doing your online banking or doing your online shopping. Yeah, yeah. You know, so it is, I suppose, changing the mindset to thinking if the job is done into a high quality, you know... What matters? Yeah, I suppose there's certain, again, though, Nick, there's probably certain industries that are easy, quite easy to assess maybe the productivity of, you know, like a staff member, whereas in some of the more subjective industries, it's probably a little bit more difficult to assess, you know, who knows yeah. what I'm at. What I'm at <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But it, it yeah, can no, be. It, 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 absolutely. And, and, and it, it, it's, it's again, it's one of these it's one of these challenges. Um you know, is your role suitable to be done remotely or not? It, it may not be. Um, so, it, but I think the but the, the key message here is that the options are there, mm. very much so, and they are they are available to anyone. Um, even as you mentioned, even smaller organisations, um, we find that they are sometimes. Well, we certainly see that they are quite. Um, keen to get this kind of flexibility built into their organization because they're all, they're they're smaller they're much you know they've possibly tighter margins smaller budgets they've got to be very very competitive um and they see the benefit of all this uh, certain, certainly around elimination of of, of you know uh, repetitive tasks and, and automation all that kind of stuff because that really gives these small yeah. organizations the edge okay but then it, the knock-on effect or the, the 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 side effect is that it gives the the flex that flexibility as well, um, and they need you know especially with organizations organizations that you don't have uh, people are dragged from different roles more often as well. So you know uh, even if it's a, if it's a two-man three-man organization, they they're going to be doing everything. So again, you need that transparency within the organization of information of processes and all and, and so forth so it's it, it can't work the way traditional business works okay. you've got to have that level of flexibility be willing to change or, yeah you've got to be willing to change And but the organization the infrastructure that, that enables that has got to be in place for them to do it I do want to just discuss the um 
perhaps costs associated with this and advice for companies and employees as well in just a few moments. We do just have to take a short break. Do stay with us. We'll be back with more from our panel in just a moment. Between the Lines on News Talk. You're welcome back to News Talks Between the Lines programme with myself, Andrea Gilligan. Today, we're discussing the future of work, looking at increased demand and the facilitation for flexible and more working, uh, more mobile working arrangements. Our panel still with us today, Nick Healy, who's the Solutions Director at Convergent, Dr. Marion Crowley-Henry, who's an Associate Professor at Maynooth University School of Business and also Client Services Director of CPL Resources, Siobhan O'Shea. My thanks to you all for staying with us today. Um, Siobhan, I'm just thinking of people who've been listening maybe to the 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 first part of the program today and they're maybe been approached by staff and um they've been asked for you know more flexible more remote various different types of working arrangements what's the first thing at a low cost level i'm just kind of thinking monetary wise now that companies can maybe start to implement or how do they assess whether this is um going to be something that they're going to be able to do financially for their staff mm. i think well one of the from what we've seen anyways with some of our customers that's been working quite well is even looking at staggered hours. So instead of starting your working day at nine and finishing at five or 5.30, that you're looking at allowing your people start earlier, leave earlier. Um, And that may work really well, I suppose, for people who have other outside obligations and it would work well for them in terms of giving them time back and improving their quality of life. And they're still doing, in essence, you know, their, their full working day, but it's just at a different time frame that is in sync with their own personal preferences. Um, and that doesn't have any huge burden of cost yeah. on organisations. And if anything, it means particularly for client, for customers that have, you know, a lot of client um, focus or whatever, that they're, they're open longer hours, actually. They're offering more opportunity mm. to engage. So, um, so that's one solution that does work quite well. Um, I've seen even in our own business, even in my own teams, I think offering the opportunity to work from home um, can work incredibly well. And a lot of people don't necessarily, they only want to do it occasionally maybe, mm. or they may want it if they need to do something concentrated and just to have that time alone and peace to get it, you know, a, uh, heavy content piece yeah. of work done um, and that's you know, something and can probably be facilitated if you have a laptop anyway there's no exactly big, you know. yeah so I mean it, we all realise now that as long as you have Wi-Fi you can be working anywhere yeah. so if anything the challenge now these days is switching off yeah. because with the phone in our hand and you know we're on 24-7 so that's more the issue than the issue of you know being able to facilitate I suppose opportunity to work um, so I think those are two really easy ways to get going on the journey that don't cost a lot. And I think if your people come to you and ask for it, you know, it it would be remiss of you not to try and come up with a solution if you want to hold on to that person. Because there are so many opportunities now in the marketplace. We're at full employment, uh, you know, 4.8%, over 2.3 million working record in Ireland. So there is no shortage of other companies that Mm. will present those opportunities to people. So, um, you know, it really is incumbent to you to listen and And try and come up with it working solution. Any additional um, tips for companies, perhaps, Nick, yourself? Yeah, well, I mean, the, you know, the, your example of the, the days of having need requiring ISDN lines to connect <laughs> to the office are gone. You know, I mean, it is literally just Wi-Fi. Yeah. Um, I suppose one of the two to to tick the the I suppose the box of our what people are d- maybe doing and and security of information and data and all that all that kind of stuff is that you know it it, it, it it's a little it's a bit more than that um you you've got to be able to so if you're going to be working from home you've got to be able to access the information you need to be able to do your job 
Mm. Right now, in in the old days, that would be sticking that information probably on a USB stick and bringing it with you, and but that is a huge security risk on that, and, yeah, and, 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 yeah. and a data breach um, risk there. So the way, for example, that we would design solutions is, is that it really doesn't matter where you work or what device you're working on. The access to the information you need is always at hand. So this is like an online portal or a hub or something. It's the systems that are. It's it, it, it's it's an they're they're platform based systems is what we call them, and the access to those platforms is unrestricted. It depend. It, all you need is a username and password. They can be web based. They can be app based. They can be from your uh, uh, your whatever device you bring home, be your laptop or through your desktop at home. It doesn't matter. They're all you know the, the security levels can all be put in place. Um, their connectivity is there once you've got Wi-Fi and broadband which is with the quality of that has increased massively in the last couple of years and it continues to improve uh, so any again those technological restrictions that used to be there they're not there anymore mm. but there will be certain investment that organizations need to make um, but it tends to be more especially around the way software is priced nowadays it's based on the number of heads that you've got in the organization so okay. it's it's proportionate so once you probably buy the program you have it for once a you've of got time. the software and you 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 know the, but then the challenge the other challenge then is that is that is the change management part of it it's not just a matter of plugging in the software right lads off you go um, you know, it, there will be changes in how in, in, in how you operate internally in the organization, uh, your, your your processes, where is information stored, uh, how do you access it, and, and so forth. So there's certainly changes that need to be done. If you take one of the issues that organizations might have is that they may have multiple systems that for, for some that are probably based on a server in the office. Okay, right. so how do you gain access to that? if you're going to need to work remotely. So it's about connecting that information so that um, what we try to look, we try to go for is that if you if if you find a piece of information, you find every other related piece of information to that. So everything's in context, irrespective of what system it sits okay. on. Okay, so it really is, that's the kind of, a, that is really the game changer in this, that you can access all your information that you need to, or that you're, uh, that you're allowed to access, even if you're from, within the office or from, Oh. Mm. And you mentioned the point earlier in the program, actually, about um, you know people commuting and re- uh, reducing people's commuting hours. Yeah. As somebody that commutes mm. at twenty past four in the morning, I can tell you there's no traffic on <laughs> no the road. Traffic. So if you're trying to avoid, if, if companies are looking to have a traffic-free routeway for uh, staff, um, try and, try and reduce that policy. Four, four twenty in the morning, I can tell you, is fairly traffic-free. Um, there was a point mentioned earlier there, uh, Marion, by uh, both um, Siobhan and Nick, and it was on that idea of switching off. And while the being at home is great and, you know, you can do loads of stuff yourself and, it, you know, you can go to the hairdressers or the doctor's appointment or whatever it is you need to do um, and start earlier or later in the day, you're kind of a bit more accessible then as well. You know, it's 5 p.m. You haven't just gone out the door and Andrea's not here anymore. So how do staff or how do companies work around that? Well, it's 24-7 because if you're contactable, you're on your emails maybe in the evening, you're on them at the weekend. Increasingly, the younger generation are more used to that. You know, they're... I, I, in academia for my my mm. employment situation get emails weekends evenings nights expecting an answer uh, within the hour it's a new way of working it's just how things have changed so it's a big issue I think in terms of well-being in terms of how people mm. can switch mm. off because there seems to be a need to actually train people in how to do that Yeah. Um. and, and I don't think it's just generation wise I think it's seeped into I know I'm a dreadful for checking my phone first thing I do in the morning check my emails you know, weekends, even on vacation, so that when I come back from vacation, I don't have a pile of emails yeah. waiting for me. Uh, it is a huge issue, and I think the organisations will increasingly need to take more responsibility here 
because it will result in burnout. It will result in just people being really demotivated, being exhausted. As Nick mentioned, there's a need for creativity, mm. need for agility. So you do need to switch mm. off. So it's a huge issue. But is that the kind of the, the, the compromise people are, you know, giving to get this flexible arrangement? Because it seems that, you know, it's nearly too good to be true. But is that what you're you're giving up? It is and it isn't. I, I worked in France years back and, I, you know, the 35 hour work, working week. And I remember at the time we were getting mobile phones from the organisation and I was delighted getting a free mobile phone. But a colleague, a French national was saying, no way, don't want this because now, you know, now they'll be expecting to call me at home. Yeah. And at the time I was like puffing. But, you know, in a way he had, you know, he was kind of right in a way because it creates that culture of, yeah, you know, you do it once. You're, you've been available once in the evening, yeah. then you're always available. You're uh, nearly apologising, actually, for not, you know what I yes, mean? Sorry, exactly. I missed your call. It's yeah. half eight. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Know? Yeah, Sorry, sorry, the delayed but response. I, I think Nick. there's also, I mean, issues like that can be, can be, uh, I think can be controlled through policy. Okay. In an organisation. But is that the advice to companies listening to this? Look, you yeah. need to set some ground rules You need here. to set ground yeah. rules. I mean, you know, there's, yes, there's flexibility. And, you know, for that flexibility, the company, I suppose, does does expect a bit more, you know, more back from the, the, the employee. Um, but there has to be limitations, you know. I mean, and those limitations can actually be imposed through technology. You know, if mm. there are ways of doing that as well, so it's not just a matter of that you're opening the floodgates to to employees at, at any god given hour of of the day. You know, it it can be restricted, it can be controlled, and there's different tools to do that. So it is a challenge, but you know, if I would say that if you're being bombarded on a Saturday night at eleven o'clock, you'll quickly move to another organisation yeah. down the road that mm. has got all mm. the same technology in place and gives you opportunity. So it's kind of you know there's a there's a balancing act there certainly. Mm. Okay, I want to ask you, Marion, about like the idea that you know we've had this kind of. Um, We've been shining the spotlight, I suppose, on millennials in the workplace place over maybe the last decade. You mentioned a little bit earlier this talk about regarding the uh, Gen Z and their future in the workplace. Who who are they? So Gen Zs are the next generation um, after millennials. So they are born since 1995. So they'd be those that are just graduating, just going into employment now, back down to your secondary school students, yeah, your, okay. your, your university students. So the new, I guess, the future workers. What any generational kind of research, it's to do with what's happening at the time. So in the contemporary time when those people were being were being grown or growing up or were mm-hmm. being born, what was the thing that was influencing them? So, for instance, like millennials, it might have been, uh, um, um, you know, they follow the Berlin Wall. That kind of an idea might have influenced them, you know, uh, communism falling, uh, more liberal um, uh, democracies. For Gen Z, it's the mobile phone. But they're truly the first really digital technological people that you were talking about yeah. earlier. Yeah. They're the, as you mentioned, from, they're the people who phone. On, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. What considerations then, Marion, do workplaces have to now start adapting for this new cohort of the Gen Zs mm. that are going to start coming out and people just so connected to the device, whatever that be like? They use it for so much. I mean, for training and education purposes, you know, if you want to do training programs online, they'll download something quick, podcast, Tell me your policies and procedures, your employee handbook, handbook in an elevator pitch and they'll listen to it on the Lewis coming in through a podcast or, or through their mobile devices. What we found in our research is what, educate, or what employers really um, are struggling with in terms of the new generation coming in is empathy. You know, hiring them for being able to have small chat, for being able to do the, you know, the niceties um, because they're not used to that. Quite often it's the head and the phone 
and you know you could be sitting next to each other and you're just snapping each other yeah. anyway and you're liking you're doing a, their streaks or whatever the case may be so that's where they're really looking for some support and that's a big challenge for organizations now in terms of you know, how do you teach somebody about small chat you know the the niceties um you know um people would say you know they, they're on a bus and uh, you might start trying to start a conversation with a teen and they're kind of looking at like like you've two heads like what are you talking to me <laughs> is that because parents have said don't talk to stranger stranger danger or is that yeah. because they've been in their phone and it's kind of like they're not living in the moment anyway but for employers for organizations that's a big mm. that's a big mm. um, issue mm. for the future of can work. i ask you about that siobhan mm. the idea that you know that kind of digital saturation is sort of hampering mm. cognitive d- skills and like I would notice even with people down through the years their ability to make a phone call and mm. answer the phone in a mm. workplace yeah. it's something they can't can't leave a message Oh without a question it's really interesting because um, we are definitely seeing it in that younger generation that are coming into us and looking for their first career opportunity mm. um, that the transversal skills so your soft skills in essence your ability to communicate or um, confidence levels all of these you know, facets of you as a person um, are so critical for your future, um, but maybe not as honed and, and developed um, in the younger generations because they've spent so much time in a phone or not not building those skills, mm-hmm. really. So um, it's definitely something that, you know, for that future of work, you know, um, visioning that we really need to support our Gen Z on um, and to ensure that they're being fostered and given the yeah. opportunities, I suppose, to develop those soft skills. Uh, both throughout the school system um, and then when they come into the workplace. Um, you know, in fairness, the millennial generation and Gen Z are very open, you know, so I think it's it's there for the taking. Their cr- sense of creativity and idea making and all of that is absolutely, yeah. you know, incredible. Um, so it's really, you know, about harnessing it and, and, and really supporting them every step of their journey once they are coming into an organisation. Just Nick, before we take a break mm-hmm. on that point, have you, you know, as even anecdotally or or, or evidence-based, you know, seen that um, research yourself or those kind of attitudes from companies talking about the effect, you know, this is having on the workplace? Or The example I gave is, is my, my nephew, who's 22 <laughs> years of age, graduated from college, started his job with one of the large insurance firms. And after the first week, he said he came back to me and says, what in the name of God are all these emails for? <laughs> he he just couldn't understand couldn't what this was, you know, what what was the requirement for all these, you know, communications through email and, and CCing and BCCing and so on. And then how, how do you write an email? You know, there's there's language yeah. in an email that is, you know, is acquired after many years of getting it wrong. Mm. Um, you know, and there's, you know, you, you can you, you people interpret yeah, emails differently. Those skills are are you know are, are aren't required for for that generation you know so it, it, it is really difficult um to try and uh to try and foster that in an organization and i would say probably Siobhan, for you i would say organizations are screaming for people that do have those skills mm. now because that you know we still need massive people skills in business yeah. you, you, you've got to work with other people yeah. you've got to work with other generations as well and that's one of the other massive uh, challenges for organizations that it's not just the Gen Zs, mm. but it's their close to retirees that have still got to mm. work with these guys. Mm. If they can't, if they've got nothing in common or communication lines between them, how, the, God, how does yeah, that I'm work? I'm trying to envisage the, the, the workplace yeah. <laughs> when you imagine yeah. it like that. Yeah. Okay, we're going to continue our conversation. Our panel will still be with us. I do stay tuned. We'll be back in just a moment. Between the Lines on Newstalk. 
You're welcome back to the final part of today's Between the Lines programme with myself, Andrea Gilligan. We're continuing our discussion on the future of work in Ireland today. Our panel still with us this morning, Nick Healy, who's Solutions Director at Convergent, Dr. Marion Crowley-Henry, who's from Maynooth University School of Business and Siobhan O'Shea, Client Services Director of CPL Resources. I suppose in even in my own um, working lifetime, one of the big changes that I've noticed in companies down through recent years is um, this focus on health and well-being and wellness in the workplace and it seems to be getting there's much more of a focus put on it now and I think much more of a concern even by employers to to try and incorporate it into people's working arrangements and their and their daily working day. Um, Siobhan O'Shea, just can you just explain for us what's the importance of this? Like, why do companies need to have such a focus on this now? Mm, yeah, no, it's incredibly important, and actually, it's so important that we um, in CPL now have um, a new service that we deliver to our customers, um, focused on workplace well-being, um, and that's through our Future Work Institute, and we produce. Um, basically a white paper last year in respect of you know why it is so vital and critical I suppose for all organisations to be looking at this and it really was um, narrowed down to an, a number of factors and I suppose stress levels are at sky high mm-hmm. rates in organisations so what does that mean for you if you're a business owner or a large corporate well it means that there's probably high levels of absenteeism so if you want a really highly engaged workforce you have to look at all the dimensions of your your well-being and I suppose what's really interesting to see is it's not just as narrow as um, you know physical and mental now that it's broadened out way beyond that and we actually would see ourselves through the Future Work Institute that we've looked at it as being eight dimensions of wellness so it would encompass everything from um, the spiritual social, emotional, financial, environmental, Just, intellectual. Yeah. So it's way broader. Okay. Explain than that to me because I think for a lot of companies this means it's a Christmas party, it's a summer party, it's a day yeah. off for your birthday. It's you know, I think a lot of companies like even when I hear of what companies do for health and well being, I'm often baffled by you know what what it incorporates like yes yeah and I think you know that what's great to see is that companies are starting to recognise that it isn't a one size fits all that it is very multifaceted that you do have to look at a root cause approach in diagnosing what's really important to your people from an overall well-being perspective so you know we even looked at it and in our white paper we analysed you know basically two different organisations spoke to all of their people and went through a diagnostic process with them and it actually emerged what was really important to to the employees in one of those businesses was really focused around the financial well-being whereas it was completely different in the other organisation it was really around that physical and mental well-being so obviously the supports and the um, the tools and you know mechanisms that you're putting in place then are completely bes- should be tailored and bespoke bespoke and personalised to make sure that you're responding to what actually really matters to your people. So it can't be this one size fits all Christmas party is going to solve all our problems mm. because that doesn't connect with people. Um, so I, you know, definitely in terms of when you look at it, millennials, um, you know, we saw that they spend almost twice as much on self-care as baby boomers. So it's really important to them. Um, we actually saw that things like flexible working and good um, well-being programs really do make a difference in your talent attraction um, abilities. Um, so it really is a differentiator and a unique selling point if you've really well evolved um, programs to deliver. And that's what we've seen through mm. the services we're delivering, um, that it really makes a difference in terms of um, helping you, I suppose, differentiate yourself as an employer. Mm. Can I ask you the same question, um, Marion, as well, just in terms of like 
is this something that's you know intergenerational? Do do the various different age demographics have different expectations of what health and well-being is? Yeah, for sure, it varies across generations. But like Siobhan said, having a menu of well-being options that because we're all going to you know move generations as we progress, or even in, as our stage of life, if you become a parent or you have a a death in the family or whatever, or a serious illness that you can draw on different services that might be offered. So you might look, need financial assistance if it's maybe coming toward your retirement or maybe going for a mortgage or maybe somebody in your family is going through something tragic and you want some counselling. So you have the employee assistance programme. So having that menu of options that organisations increasingly have in fairness um, is something that needs to be continued mm. and promoted, I would say, and promoted and let, let people know that I mean, I think the taboo is slowly being lifted for seeking any support that might be counselling related uh, if you're going down that that line. Uh, but increasingly be more inclusive in terms of, you know, that this is open for everybody. You know, yoga or going to the gym isn't just for the new millennials. You know, if you're, you know, approaching retirement, why not take it up now? Maybe there is kind of a golf simulation yeah. programme that, you know, for retirement, you get into it beforehand. Yeah. You mentioned just off air, um, I suppose, really advice for the younger generation now looking at the workplace and maybe the kind of work and environment they want to be in, just something you wanted to flag. Yeah, um, some research that I had done uh, with an Enterprise Ireland innovation voucher was with Zeminar, which is a it's a social enterprise and it runs events annually, uh, really for second level students, uh, TY students generally. Uh, it's a big event with like thousands and thousands of schools mm. attend every year. Great, really focusing on on well-being and careers and different career paths and things like, you know, you don't have to have a university degree. Yeah. Um, you don't have to have all these kind of pressures, which are now much more visible than would have been maybe in our day, because now you can see on your Snapchat, on your Instagram, what all your friends are doing. And it is that fear of missing out, but also that fear of failure that the younger generation have. So mm-hmm. events like uh, Zeminar, I'd encourage, you know, teachers or, or students to attend mm-hmm. and parents to get involved in as well. Can I ask you, Nick, to give a final word to somebody today, but just on the focus specifically on, you know, health and wellness and, mm. and well-being and that kind of engagement that you have from companies yourself? And- well, f- I suppose from a solutions technological perspective, what we see is that when companies engage us, they are, there's a huge amount of frustration within the organisation. Um, because they're being forced to work in archaic ways and with old technology. And that has an undertone of stress within the organisation. I know there's other elements, but certainly from their day-to-day operations, the basics of trying to find something, you know, find information. Uh, And there are stats out there that employees spend anywhere between 45 to 60 minutes a day just looking information. So okay. never mind the, the, the stress levels of the employee, the cost of the company is huge there, right? So if we if we can reduce, if we can make the, the I suppose, the operational and working environment easier, uh, more efficient, um, less time wasting um, for, for employees, that, that has an, that yeah, will surely have morale. an effect. It'll mm-hmm. boost morale, it'll boost productivity, that all lifts everybody's, you know, uh, mood and, and so forth. So uh, there, 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 there's a combination, I think, of all of these different elements that have to be put into place. And, they, you know, there are different layers, but certainly we see and, and, and the feedback that we get from, from clients and uh, is that the, the overall, the, the ease at which they're able to do things is, is certainly improved and therefore there's less stress involved and frustration, you know. You also wanted to flag. Yeah, um, just uh, on the 2nd of April, um, 
There is a, uh, this is the, I think, the fourth year that it's running. It's the Digital Workplace Ireland Conference, um, and it's being held in the IMI. And it's a combination of uh, different speakers and experts and, and experts in the digital workplace transformation from uh, around the world who are coming to it. So it's specifically targeted at, at, at really around the, the decision makers within organizations who are trying to, as we mentioned some of them before, uh, decide where do they start on this journey? How do they choose, um, you know, the resources that are that they're going to need and the approaches that they're going to take? So it's a really good day. It's a full day's conference, and there's also going to be there's talks from specialists. Uh, I, I'll be speaking myself, but there's also speakers from uh, organisations who have uh, embarked on this journey and are at different stages. So you're going to get you're going to get feedback from them and lessons learned from them as well. So it's a great day, and so it's the second of April in the IMI, and it's digital work workplace.ie if you want to book your space. Good stuff. Lots to consider there today. I do hope that we've uh, provided, uh, whether you're an employer or an employee, with uh, some advice and tips on how to maybe um, realign or uh, facilitate more flexible and uh, remote working conditions in various different companies. My thanks to our panel today, Dr. Marion uh, Crowley-Henry, who's from Maynooth University School of Business, Siobhan O'Shea, who's the Client Services Director of CPL Resources, and Nikili Solutions Director at Convergent. My thanks to you all for Thank you. your time. Thank you. I'm afraid Thank that's you. all we have time for today. If you've missed any of the programme, you can download the podcast on our website at newstalk.com or on the Go Light app. My thanks to the production team, Simon Keane and Stephen Jordan. I'll be back again with breakfast briefing on Monday morning from 6 and with Between the Lines this time next week. But for me, Andrea Gilligan, have a good day.